to Lady Blair Sings the Blues, a podcast where you can bring your breakfast, brunch, and mimosas, if you so dare. Uh, we are three, we are three beautiful, beautiful, full-figure, talented Black women who talk about the experiences and perspectives moving through this world. Happy Black Fae Day! Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm having a pretty good morning. Kylie's having a pretty good morning. I think Paris is definitely having a pretty good morning. So let's start with Paris. How's your week? Um, good. A busy week, as always. Um, always busy, always working. I feel like that's everybody right now. It's, uh, you know, midterm of the year. So it's when you start analyzing what is uh, what you have to do for the remainder of 2022. Uh, that you set forth uh, as a goal, whether that's personal, professional, or spiritual, or whatever, what have you. So just a lot of that, I think, last minute, trying to um, formulate what all the things I need to be doing before the end of 2022, um, and trying to figure out how to fit all those things in and like micromanaging my calendar right now, like everybody else is doing. And yeah, looking forward to it's a it was a nice Mother's Day weekend. I am excited about uh, Memorial Day weekend having some time off. It is really supposed to still be Mental Health Awareness Month, and really trying to practice uh, moments of self care and reflection is really important to me on my list this month, which should be every month. But if nothing else is a reminder, so yeah, that's been. Um, um, and we'll get to this, but sitting in conversation with a lot of albums, including uh, Kendrick's newest release, which is yes. been, yeah, so that has all been a part of, uh, um, as I'm writing my own album right now, <laughs> that's been uh, fun to kind of like, you know, I like to detour to other works anyway, but uh, interesting. Can I comment how the hip hop community collectively agreed to not release music on the 14th or the 15th, just because Kendrick's new album came out. I just saw so many Twitter posts being like, hold back, don't post, don't release nothing (laughs) to make room for the King. Yeah, I felt felt there was a lot of hip hop artists who definitely went into some beautiful analytics um, about this album. And I, I didn't dive as deep as you probably did first, but like, so far, so far moved. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, definitely, um, you know, Mental Health Month. I hope you all are taking great care of yourselves. You come first. First and foremost, make sure that you are doing what you do to take care of yourselves every day, every morning, every evening. Kylie, how's your week going? Oh my gosh, my week is fantastical. Um, I'm in Atlanta, and so exploring this city. Hot Atlanta? Hot Atlanta. Hot Atlanta. I am in the land of beautiful Black people. I don't know if you knew, um, but they're everywhere, and I'm here for the hair. Amen. And the culture, and <laughs> the murals, and the food. Hair, y'all. <laughs> the hair, y'all. Um, the land of outcasts. Is real. Um, I had spent like previously about like eight years in San Antonio, Texas, and so my experience with the South like wasn't the greatest. Yeah. Um, and so Atlanta's kind of like redeeming some of that for me, um, just in terms of the the culture here. Uh, 
which has been just phenomenal. Um, I got to do some artsy things. I poured resin for the first time. And, right? I was like, oh, you crafty. Like, this is fun. Girl, is that your Naruto accessory? What is that? Ma'am, yes, you know it is. I did a whole set. <laughs> what is it? Kunai. Is that a kunai? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it absolutely is. You did a good job, actually. <laughs> right? Thank you. Yeah. I did great. I did a I feel like they would glow job. in the dark. I want them they to glow in the dark. They do glow in the dark. Oh my God. Baby yes. is going to go to these raves. Right? I'm like, and I'll be protected because she's gonna get she's gonna get hype on these like remixes of OSTs. We don't condone violence, but like my girl's protected. That's what matters. Yes. Um other big things finally got some plants growing in the garden. So we have and tomatoes on deck. We are on our way to living as off the grid as possible as we can at that house. Um, just mostly just recognizing how important it is to um, reconnect with the land, to grow your own food, um, like especially as a black woman where I'm at. Um, being able to use my home and my garden and eventually like expand it to be a community garden and a safe place for you know the younger generation to come and actually learn about what it means to grow your own food and, and see like the effort and daily energies that you put into something and like truly see growth and opportunity I think is really vital um, just because when you grow something yourself, it, you do feel empowered. And I think that's something that's lacking um, in my community right now. And it's something that we all need. So yeah, it's my week. My week's been good, full of growth and adventure. As always. I mean, you're always on the go. <laughs> always on the road, always on the go. Yeah, no, I'm glad that you're out there in Atlanta. That's, that's exciting. Um, what would you say are like some key differences that you notice from like Atlanta, California, since you've been mostly a California Hawaiian girl? Ooh, um, I think it's the work-life balance, honestly. I think um, like it it is very green and beautiful out here and there are a lot of like outdoorsy things to do. Um, but I do think that because it is more metropolitan in this area, and that people are really caught up in like hustle and bustle. Um, so just really taking the time to appreciate the outdoors. But I also have to look at like history out here. Like we are in the South and a lot of um, outdoor activities have historically been um, not safe for black mm -hmm. people to participate in and so that's also just another cultural um aspect and difference but i i feel like that is um slowly shifting and changing as um, people explore and, and expand the food out here is phenomenal like california has okay food but in terms of like flavor seasonings I went to a market out here that I could I could have spent days in. Like it was a world market and they do need world market and it was phenomenal. I was just like they don't they don't have this. 
where I'm <laughs> from and like I I would die. I would die. <laughs> I'm definitely coming back here for the world markets. Um for the seasonings, dear Lord, for all of the food. Yeah. In true fat <laughs> them <then> fashion. <laughs> Are season shops a thing out in Cali? Are what? Like a shop that sells just purely spice, like a spice shop. It's rare, and it's, if anything, it would be like an apothecary. <laughs> it wouldn't really be. Oh, yeah. Okay. I feel like they would be only located in, unfortunately, like super rich areas like Palo Alto, Carmel. Like if there's a shop that specializes in it, yeah, you don't yeah. really find them in like Seaside, Salinas. Um, so, yeah, it's an accessibility issue. Gotcha. Okay. Um, no, that's awesome. I, I can't wait till you tell more stories, first of all, because that's exciting. I've always wanted to go to Atlanta, but I, I haven't been in that direction yet. So yeah. one so, day. Um, one of the things that has been on my mind this week um, is traveling, <clears throat> specifically like solo traveling. Um, I had a friend who is a woman and she's solo traveling in Europe right now and went through some scares with hackers and like people getting access to cards and um, that like kind of made me think a little more about like how I post, um, especially when I'm traveling. So like yeah. now I'm like, okay, like I'll post all of my things like maybe a day after I have already been there. So it's like, I'm not making myself as vulnerable or as large a target, especially since I already know that I'm not the most technologically savvy person. So um, like I have friends like you guys where I could be like, hey, can you give me tips on what to do? I think that the biggest one was like get a VPN and like don't literally like, don't post your location. Um, make sure that like you change your passwords. Um, and like always, I mean, if you can, have established friends out in the area that you're going to go visit first. Yes. Like, yes. I got to meet uh, Kuma from Melanated Velma. He's been on the show. I got to meet him and his wife, and they were so wonderful. They took me to a ramune joint. I said ramune. A ramen joint. <laughs> I had to. Ramune. I look like a soda place. <laughs> a soda place. They took me to a place for soda. No, they took me to a place for ramen. It was delicious to die for. So good. I was like, man, I could really just eat out every day. It would be a problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I got to see MTG, of course, while I'm out here. He's hosting me. So, like, big shout out to him. Thank you for making me super safe out here. Um, and then I had, like, family that I didn't know about that was out here. So, like, meeting cousins for the first time. That's always exciting. Yeah. So, yeah. We're having a good time traveling. I was going to comment on that, like, yeah, safety is key. I, whenever I find myself traveling, I try not to take too many selfies if I were to disclose the location. Um, so that way, if someone is trying to find me, they're not associating what I'm wearing versus where I'm at. So like, if you ever see like my Instagram posts, it's always like a scenic thing, but never my face. And so I would just do that because sometimes I, there are days I'm like, mm, I'm not feeling cute. So I'm not gonna show my face, but it's a plus side because you know, you're not really disclosing what you look like for someone to try to like, you know, take advantage of the situation. Um, and yeah, I feel like, especially, and I just heard stories where if you are out of the country because you're out of your element and you're not as familiar with the lay of the land, like, yeah, folks are gonna try to take advantage of you. I heard that there's 
in different parts of even our country, like folks will get real bold about like how about your personal space and try to convince you about like, hey, I got to hustle or hey, I got a thing. Like one thing that really surprised me one time is like someone just started cleaning my windows on my car. And I was like, that feels weird. And, and then they were trying to ask for money, even though I didn't solicit the service. And so it's just little things like that, where if people are that bold to do that. I can't imagine like the bold, how bold everybody else is in different regions, especially if you're an unfamiliar. And then meet people like me where I'm like, what is going on? And I take slower to process everything that's going on. I'm like, am I getting scammed? Like I have to like go through the bullet points in my head. So that happens, um, that happens. But I'm glad you're being safe. Um, knowing where people are in the area is key. Um, like I feel like I feel the same, like if I'm in French I ha or France, I'm, I have cousins out there. And if I'm over in New York, I know, I know a huge network of like trombone players out there. So it's just really nice to make sure that you kind of have your ducks in a row to make sure like, how do you feel safe when you're navigating trips alone? Um, so my week has been eventful, um, a big takeaway with my week is just, I am learning every single day to just call things what it is instead of beating around the bush or being super analytical to describe what I'm talking about. Um, because I've always, I really hate that when things happen, like when someone's being a racist turd or if someone is, you know, just being rude to a to a group of marginalized people, that there's folks out there that will analyze the behavior as a way to gaslight it. And I am kind of high key tired of it. Before I used to be like, oh, I used to take the poetic meaning of what's going on so I can empathize better with both parties. I used to be that person. And now I'm just like, no, homeboy's just being, you know, in the in the situation that I'm talking about, this person's just racist. Just call it what it is. Um, stop trying to justify what the actions were happening. Just say, this is what the actions are. Like, I have been getting better with it. And this week has really tested that, <laughs> to say the least, online. Um, and so I'm really happy, first of all, to have like a really wonderful support of women who will help me feel empowered, whether if they, if it's just like influenced by example, or if they tell me directly. So like Paris, you're one of them, Kylie, you're one of them, like Shubs is one of them. I have Twill and like Whitney, um, who will just speak out and just say what it is. And so that really empowers me to just say what things are instead of trying to find some dumb, poetic, meaningful, like essay way to describe somebody's behavior to dismiss what the actual situation is, that there is harm that's being created. And so I'm really happy or not happy. I'm really, um, I guess I'm taking a sense of like pride in this where I'm like, this is development. This is human development for me in that I can be stronger every day about just how to approach problems. So, um, so that kind of transitions into what we're actually going to talk about this week uh, or talk about uh, for just our, our problem solving segment is like how to be better. Um, what? Sorry, am I good guys? Just making sure you don't get a thumbs up. 
Okay, great. Um, so I want to talk about just mistakes that happen and how to, how to be accountable, how to have self-awareness and building to be better is the segment that we're going to talk about today. So, um, things come, have been coming in waves and it's just been a lot. So it's been heavy, heavy stuff. So today is very blues today. We're talking about the blues (laughs) and, um, I noticed that social media has been around for a long time. I think it's been around since I was like maybe 13, um, maybe even longer, depending on like what social media platform that you've been on. So it's like early 2000s, late 90s, whatever that you want to call it, right? And it's the first time that people are realizing that they have immediate, immediate access to historical things that they've said, and it's now being raised up to the forefront of today because people can research these things and like throw it in your face and say, you're a bigot, you're an asshole, you're a racist, you're whatever. So yes, mistakes are made, but how do we show accountability for it? You can't say like, you know, apologize for the behavior that has obviously created harm and then double down on that behavior saying like, well, I don't know why people are mad. They should get over it. It's not, I'm not that type of person. That's not the apologize apology that you should go with. It's more so like, wow, I'm really disappointed with myself. I've grown as a person. I, that's not behavior that I want to project for the future. I'm hoping to be better than that. And it's just trying to outline the self-accountability or the accountability from previous actions that were not palatable or that are not palatable today. And that shouldn't have been pal- palatable then. So I, I'm curious to know what your guys' take on this, um, on how to reflect on poor behavior and moving forward. I think, <clears throat> unfortunately, human beings um, don't really recognize when they're being problematic until they experience what it's like to be harmed. Um, I think like if you've grown up being a bully and then you are bullied and then you turn around and say, ah, I've grown because this was a terrible experience. I felt it myself. Um, I think that's just like one of the the common flaws uh, of being human, right? This, lack of empathy and I feel like it's really difficult because of shame as well so like when you do finally recognize um, that your behaviors have been harmful uh, will shame keep you from actually acknowledging your past behaviors or will you want to just be like okay moving forward I won't do this again and so you don't have to Are we still live, y'all? And we're live, y'all. And we're livity live. And we're live, y'all. Okay, sorry, Kylie. You'll come back soon. I promise. (laughs) (laughs) We're working on it, (laughs) y'all. It's not a Lady Blurs episode until Kylie brings in the the visual check finger. (laughs) Terrible. Where did I cut out? Um, you cut out, go ahead and talk about like how, um, 
just start over. It's fine. Just, just start yeah, over. Empathy. empathy. We need, we need to start. Empathy. Um, yes. Yeah. Empathy. We, we need to start focusing a little more on empathy at younger ages. Um, and I think a lot of that just comes from like this idea that hurt people hurt people. And um, we don't ever reach uh, a stage of maturity and adulthood. I don't think that like maturity and adulthood go hand in hand, right? Because you're aging regardless. Time is going to continue whether or not you decide to self-reflect and mature and change your behaviors. And so we end up with like generations of people who experience trauma that never got help for that trauma and who just continue to push it forward um, instead of stopping and allowing ourselves to recognize that yes, we have been hurt and we can grow from these experiences. And the purpose of that pain is to be able to be strong enough to create shelters where those experiences don't have to be relived in the coming generations. So self-reflection and um, accountability, I think, while also negating shame is a is a great conversation to have because I, I don't think anyone here has not experienced shame mm -hmm. and known like the difficulty of having <clears throat> to like apologize. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Because that sucks. And if you do it properly, then um, people can give you the grace to grow and give you those second chances. But I feel like too often nowadays, it's like, I think people troll too, and they're just doing it for popularity's sake or doing it for the views or doing it for the, the backlash or the argument. And so then they'll give like this half-assed apology. And I feel like it's like a boy who cries wolf situation when later they want to be recognized as like valid, <laughs> good people. And you're like, you've been shit the whole time. You've just been a shit lord. So like, what, what's yeah. the grace that you want me to give you here? Yes, that's where I stand on the issue. I feel like there's a, there's too often, I think, it is important to call people to carpet. It is important to call people out. Um, while there should be, right, like an, an etiquette to doing that, um, that I think extends beyond the cancel culture of not even allowing someone an opportunity to really uh, sort of explain um, and, and gain enlightenment into you know, maybe they don't have as much self-awareness. Maybe they struggle with some neurodivergent um, um, kind of processing around what their actions are. And then you're just kind of subjected to scrutiny without, um, and all this like public discourse, but you're your response is kind of stifled because you don't know maybe what you did wrong and without the edification piece around like this is what you you did that was wrong and being open to that first of all you have to be open to that and that's why i think it is important to call people to carpet to say you were wrong in this this was not an appropriate action or an appropriate thing to do um this was you know you hurt someone you were uh, ridiculed someone you you did something that um was inappropriate and i think those are important things to say but i feel like we get people are very sensitive a lot more sensitive than um 
then I feel like in in my in 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 my experience where it's like in the real world, so to speak, where it's like yes, there is a sensitivity, but it's almost like this. It's a much more uh, a, a feeling of sensitivity online, and then there's like this like hallmark of like thuggery online that just kind of people come in and you know, start pouncing on things and, and it makes it really disproportionate. The person doesn't get a chance to even understand what they did wrong before they're sort of like pounced and pounced and pounced and pounced, um, which can then create more sensitivity. So I like the idea, Kylie, of like extending grace, but there is a certain time when you're like, if you're continuing to do things more than once, um, when do, when do you get called to carpet? And I think there's so so much of like, the person that blows the whistle then becomes, you know, there's a, a, a bloodthirst for that person um, and they're shunned. And, and, you know, there becomes a whole thing of like, why did they say this? And they're saying the wrong thing and they shouldn't be bringing light to this. It makes people feel uncomfortable um, mm-hmm. when you're vigilant and, you know, you're out to, to pursue justice and make sure that things are, that you are bringing things into the public, you know, I think at least public view for, for things so that they're not swept under the carpet and people can't continue to do these things over and over again. So having grace and then being able, even able to like have radical forgiveness when people do apologize and do change their actions. Um, but people do need to be held accountable in public, not private door conversations, not backdoor conversations, not trying to scrub, you know, text messages and, and uh, all that kind of stuff. But like, you know what I mean? Like have there, there be as much as the, the injury was public, the apology um, and the redemption should be public as well. And so yeah, I'm like, I come from the talk shit, get hit era. And I'm like, if you're saying something that is inappropriate, like if you're saying it in person, that there, that wasn't, while it's unjust, right? There is a level of, you're going to take account accountability for it. Do you put your hands on someone? No, but you, it also extends to the fact of like, you know, those old days of my grandmother telling me like, watch your mouth, be mindful of what you say. Um, be mindful of how you say it. So yeah, learning how to respond to that. Like I've learned that, yeah, if I'm going to be calling someone out, like I better make sure, right. That like my, um, I'm able to do that in a way that is engaging positive discourse and not like coming problematic. Cause then I have to be aware that like, if people are going to say may match my energy. They may bring the same energy, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm a fan of that. Like if your energy is one way, then my energy is going to be, is going to match that. And that's the the world I come from. Not everybody isn't, is comes from that world I've learned over time where it's like, mm, I'm, you know, I think we saw that play out with not even to bring this up specifically, but like when something happens and someone says something, the physical response to saying something, what it, you're wrong when you physically you know, do something to someone. But I was always taught my, by, you know, the folks that raised me that my words also are caused just as much injury and to be mm-hmm. mindful of my words, right? Actions and words are, um, are both weaponized or can be weaponized. So, yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I, I 100% agree with the, I, I also come from like talk shit, get hit era, but I also became super reclusive. <laughs> because I'm like, well, I'm just going to mind my own business and 
mm-hmm. keep any weird intrusive thoughts to myself. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. No, I, I 100% agree with all that. I think um, with a lot of this is that I remember growing up being very accountable for what I say. Like it, it doesn't matter. Basically, if I were to say something rude, I get popped in the head. If I even said something that became the least bit of offense, like I got popped in the mouth, like, and it's not uh, saying like, you know, my, my parents are being abusive. It's not even that it's just kind of like, listen, what you're saying has impact. And so feel the impact of like what the equivalent can feel like, you know, it's just something to that effect. So, um, but yeah, I think where I get really screwy is I'm one of these people where if I'm like, if I say something, I'm always the first to be like, did that make sense? Or is it, does this feel awful? Or like, tell me what you're thinking based off of what I say. Like, I always give a lot of like open door to, to what I'm, to make sure like what I'm saying sounds correct or what I'm saying is, is close to what I'm trying. Um, or what I'm trying to communicate because I also am like very cautious of trying not to offend people. And that might come from like a people, people pleaser side of me. Um, not sure. Uh, but I also want to be very cognizant about other people's feelings and whether if people say like, Oh, that's the empath of you, whatever. Like sometimes I, I remember there was a part of me that used to care so much and, you know, bringing it back to like, just saying it, what it is and turned into like a rambler and not being able to say things so directly. And so I'm just curious to know what it is, why folks like me is so cautious about how I say my words versus where I feel like there's folks who are just absolutely unapologetic. Uh, Kylie, you're nodding. I noticed that you're. Yes. So um, as somebody who uh, I think just like as a base reaction, I am not afraid to open my mouth and and just say what's on my mind. But I also know that I do have like several filters um, that my thoughts will go through before before I say the thing, right? So even if it is a reaction, um, I mean, sometimes people will say things that are just incendiary. And so the reaction you get is <laughs> the reaction you get. You lit the fire, deal with the explosion. Um, and sometimes I feel like those reactions are necessary, but sometimes it's also key to know when they are looking for that reaction, right? Um, so I think the, the, the thought process right of like am i doing this to people please is this an opinion that i have that is truly my opinion or is this something that's like societally dictated that i just feel like i should say um sometimes those come into play and sometimes it's really just uh cultural differences um i think also if you grow up through trauma like you get used to needing to defend yourself against typical arguments, then you kind of form your typical response or your typical um, offense to that, right? And um, I think it's, it's important to give yourself like the power to say what's on your mind and to not Mm -hmm. just be silent because nothing changes when we're silent. We've seen that like over and over and over again, but also if we don't speak up, then people are free to 
frame the situation however they like. I think one of the nice things about social media now is like you can pull receipts, like you were saying earlier. You're just like, hey, you can't just um, like smooth this over and like pretend like it didn't happen when this is a pattern that we've seen. Um, and I think this goes beyond like our just personal discussions. I think this is also like on a broader scale, a lot of the issues that we're facing now, like in our governments and how our laws are made because people don't feel empowered enough to express themselves in personal dialogues. So they certainly don't feel powerful enough to feel like their votes will matter, to feel mm -hmm. like if they go to that city hall meeting, that speaking will actually do anything. Um, and I think um, it, it all starts literally with your own self mm -hmm. and um, the, how you feel that your effects are on the world around you. Um, how powerful you feel and I think that's something that we need to instill in people at a young age too as well as being empathetic it's like you are a powerful person so the words that you say have power the mm -hmm. actions that you do have meaning and they will affect people around you um, I think if people started like really acting as if everything is you know being written in the stars or going to be carried through history that like one day there people will be looking at your actions and um how you move through the world shapes the world, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I think if people really started getting that level of consciousness that things would be different, which is also like the discussion that we're having about being self-aware and like how do you attain self-awareness? How do you see yourself from an outside perspective? Prowess, prowess yeah. you got. I feel like the testament a come yeah. through. <laughs> I feel like there's, everything you're saying, I totally like, I wish that more people, I feel like a lot of the, a lot of this came about the the exploration of like let me just be bold and say what i want to say through a lot of very right wing kind of extremism um because and and trump helped facilitate that um and it made a lot of what our ugly past of being able to say whatever you want to say without with with amnesty um, and be given an opportunity to do that without being uh, called to carpet. I think, you know, that has, it really changed the tone of, of where we are around, like, do I have to, I can live in this country and be um, unaware of, of what my actions are and how, and my transgressions and, and the things that I say, uh, how influential they are when our, our uh, political leader, um, is is expressing that same level of you know ideologies that are damaging and discriminatory and um you know there's there's and there's lack of accountability and, and offensive as possible um and so you know if we're if that's what our our national leadership is doing and that becomes an acceptable way of 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 communicating and acting, um, then people are going to follow that. And we're seeing, I think, the ugly truth of like what happens when people start to follow those ideologies. And, you know, it's a it's a sense of like, I, you know, 
regardless of whether or not people um, where you fall on the on on your policy or your or your policies or whether or not you know you believe civil liberties are one way or the other where, where you are in the political discourse but there is a narrative that's very much taking shape that is continued sort of the there's you know this rebel taking the torch up of like we're going to say whatever we want, do whatever we want. This is our country. We created this country and we are right now positioning ourselves to be as enemies of freedom so that we can take back over that. Mm-hmm. Yes, we want to be able to say and do what we want, hurt whom we want, you know, have executive power to um, be repressive and discriminatory and, and criminalize and do all the things that like, that's what, that's what this country is built on. And we continue to sort of act as if, it's not. So reallocating, I think, like resources to unpack the things in this country, right, that, you know, critical race theory that people are so desperately trying to prevent from being taught. I think there is a, like, prosecutorial, or however you say that, like, ethos around it, because it's like, we need to be able to prosecute people based on, or at least review people based on, like, some sort of cultural logic that understands the history of this country and why it is um you know why these things are tolerated in the way that they are and there's this sort of um you know institutional context that's added in on in top of that that says that like depending on what race credo religion you are you can say whatever you want to say and that you are avoid this the punishment infrastructure is for them for us, for for whomever, um, outside of outside of that uh, scope, outside of being right right wing um, uh, extremists, and so yep. I think yeah, it's just for me like getting to know how to do better means exploring. That's why it's so important to do the homework of understanding where we are in this country and who this country is and how it was founded and who it was founded by, the 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 logic and the the sort of civic discourse needs to happen in healing that has to happen in this country before we can even start like going at individuals because it's such a systemic issue um and such a long historic issue yes um, i this oh sorry go ahead b oh i was just going to quickly comment on and i'll let you uh go into kylie i would just like to comment on how individual interpersonal lack of accountability does expand into bigger spaces like, so if this is a practice where you're like, mm, that mistake can still simmer, I'm not going to take accountability for it. I'm not going to say like what it was or what impact it was. Like, that's not just a beefing with other friends thing. It's a larger thing that trickles into other spaces. And so when privacy, when you brought up the government and just like, you know, critical race theory trying to be dismissed, or even like with, um, Roe versus Wade, like that coming back, there's a sense of like the lacking of mindfulness that is being embellished into these other spaces. So when we address this, it's like, we're not just trying to think of like small drama problems that you have with your best friend. It's no, like this is like a larger issue. Um, Kylie, go ahead. Uh, Well, so I think um, when it comes to this conversation also recognizing because we, we've heard discourse now like a few times, right? And how to actually have conversations that are vulnerable. Um, and I think once we really recognize that every single 
person on this earth um, suffers uh, at some point through something. Uh, whatever the difficulty is, like we all face difficulties. Um, and then really recognizing that a lot of these shifts and divisions that exist between people, between races, between cultures, is really a lack of compassion and a lack of understanding where one person's um, struggle may be a discomfort and another person's struggle may be a life or death situation. And learning how to categorize those um, politically as well is something that I think is needed. And people don't talk enough about um, where a lot of the divisions between cultures come from, right? So I can speak just because it's something that I have experienced um, about issues between like Black and Asian communities, right? And we can even narrow it down specifically to California, and we can even narrow it down even more specifically to Marina. So if you have um, an Asian business, right, and you notice that they watch every single Black child that comes through, and they now have fostered a, a, a feeling of um, antagonist, I guess would be the thing. Like now you look at those kids as if they are your enemies, as if like their parents don't raise them right. Where it's just like, okay, if a child steals something, it's a child, they're stealing something. And the color of their skin like really doesn't matter because at a certain age, it's just like, oh, I want this thing they're going to take it. And if they're, there's not someone who's like watching them constantly, like that's just a common, I think, experience that you learn growing up. Like, oh, okay, so like, I'm not supposed to take this without paying. Or if you have an experience like I did, which is like, I paid for my things, but because I was black, um, the police were called. And even though I had the receipts, I still went to jail. Like I sat in a jail cell for hours because an old couple, was like, I'm tired of these black kids stealing. Yeah. Um, and then there was there was no discourse. I, it didn't matter what I said. I said, I paid for this. Here's my receipt. Um, like I come here like almost every day after middle school. Never said a bad word to these people, but it didn't matter um, because in their minds, I was already the I was representing a group, right? And I think we do that as well in our discussions of like one person representing an entire group of people becoming like a monolith, yeah. which nobody is. And depending on where you are, your struggles are entirely different, but everybody struggles. Okay. Yeah. So let's get some freaking empathy so we can have some discussions. And so we can also talk about really where your biases come from. Are you angry at black people because you've seen some rich black people and you grew up poor and now you equate your poorness with their wealth? Um, like capitalism has done a ringer on everybody's minds, um, on everybody's souls, like using wealth as a way to um, qualify the goodness of a person is trash. Yeah. Uh, yes. Using yes. branding to qualify the goodness of a person is trash. Um, those are like, those are my final comments. Yes. White supremacy and capitalism go hand in hand and we're all facing the same issues uh, that nobody really profits or benefits from going forward. Like there's no forward momentum. There's no growth in that path. It's literally uh, take what you can from other people, destroy that culture 
and you're you're going to end up with nothing. You're going to be eating ash because you never learned how to fucking sustain yourself. Yes. Moving along. Kylie said eating ash. Do you think eating ash is sexy? Oh no, did she freeze? No. <laughs> that was supposed to be the transition. <laughs> Uh, well, Please, guys, <laughs> her finger, her finger of rendering will come back. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> okay, we're gonna transition to our next segment. We're gonna do nerdy and dirty. Um, nerdy and dirty this week. Uh, lo and behold, for the first time in very rare, or maybe not first time, but in rare occurrence, I created a nerdy and dirty subject. Ooh. So actually, I'm just joking. This is probably like a reprise of what our, what we've already done. Um, Kylie long, long ago talked about how food kind of brings in sexual feelings, sexual, um, you know, getting the palate, getting the palate aroused. So yes, we want to talk about what is your lean, mean sexy cuisine. Oh <laughs> um, so this came from our, thir- our Twitter Thursdays. So Twitter Thursdays, by the way, for those who are listening, these are actually one of these things on, um, or these, this is our segment where we just chat about stuff and we actually get subjects to talk about on the show. So if you guys want to join us on Twitter, kind of shoot the shit a, lo- a little bit with us and just kind of help us figure out some subjects of what to talk about for Sunday, here it is. So how this came to be is we were just talking about what is the appropriate food to eat while we are just, you know, having a time with our partners. And I'm very much so against heavy savories, anything that is like liquidy. Prior talked about grapes, things that are just like very snack charcuterie. So I don't know. <laughs> I could be overrepresenting you. Sorry, Paris. Tell me, tell me what you're thinking. I I think I was, um, yes, I was mentioning sort of the things that are sometimes explicit representations of, of, uh, of symbols, I guess, a sexual Yeah. And I thought about all the things that kind of speak to that where we pomegranates and peaches and whipped cream and eggplants and bananas and lollipops and cherries and grapes and all those things that are kind of, um, some sort of visual presentation or representation of like of of sexual uh tissues or organs or uh just things that we you know forbidden fruit so to so to say so there's yeah i wouldn't want to have like chicken wings but at the same time like hooters uses um, chicken wings right as a the kind of women lusty waitresses to like increase chicken wing sales so it's like what's the confluence of like where does it get the arousal around chicken wings i would never like Ma'am, connect i think this is also like a like kind of a men versus women thing yeah. <laughs> because the visual versus mask like, yes the visual of a femme or a mask of putting a whole wing in their mouth and then pulling it out like with no meat on the bone it does something for me I don't know about you but that visual does something for me come through Hooters hello I love I love a woman who could clear her bones yes I love a woman who could clear I do not want to see no half-assed chicken please eat that drum do not leave anything behind don't leave don't Don't leave leave the chicken on the bone because that (laughs) is 
wasteful. So um, another thing, while we are in our nerdy and dirty segment, let's let's get some nerdy in here real quick. Um, I think it's like a collective groan of like the masks out there being like, you femmes are always so sexual and sexualizing everything. Um, but like scientifically, we have scientifically. <laughs> We're about to reprimand Mo. Mo needs better internet connection. Mo, by the way, friend of the show. Um, he he's uh he does glass work. He's he's wonderful. Um, anywho, scientifically, um, I don't know. I I don't know how to piggyback off that. I all I'm saying is I know men love. I know that some men love to see that a girl can eat. But I think that's that's really dependent, you know, on who it is. Culturally, like I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I feel like black men appreciate it when women can eat, but as a generalization. But I know that, like you know, the gym bros don't appreciate it when a woman can eat. You know what I mean? The yeah. gremlins. The gremlins are out to get me today, and it's because I was just about to say <laughs> that women are superheroes because of our senses, our literal sensory, like capacity the taste buds the smelling the hearing like it's all ramped up so yeah we are going to take more pleasures in some more mundane things or like some things that fellas might find mundane because we literally have a whole other spectrum to enjoy yeah i cut out had to get that in there i think that's interesting that like there's also like the politics of of um sexuality and food because i think about the fact of like the idea around men having a salad in the public just like there there's things about that or when men order fruity drinks at a bar or something like right like there's um or men i mean in in my i'm from dc we created the term glizzy uh, based on a hot dog that would be consumed um as it was, you know, as a, fa- a salice. And so, or uh, licking an ice, cr- ice cream cone or something like that, like as, as a heterosexual man, cisgender man, that you can't be seen ever licking, a, you know, eating a strawberry or God forbid, you know, you're licking that ice cream cone a little bit too happily. Um, and and that's, the, that's kind of some very sad kind of like, things and I think that is limited to community too um that might be more of like urban uh uh you know sort of predominantly black communities and more so than other places um but yeah I think I like you know I feel like uh, the idea of when we talk about like pouring liquid chocolate looks a lot more decadent I think than like when V is saying like pouring melted cheese I don't know like the savory versus I'm just going to say, I tend to think of things as more sweet for bedroom, um, for erotic play or whatever than like pouring cheese on me. I don't know. That just. <laughs> that's a no, thank you. That's we not do the not... fondue that I wanted. That's not the, that's that's not the... fun don't. <laughs> that's not the wax play I was planning on. Yeah. I need like the carnal thing of more so like, and then is there like, is there any uh, anything that's like a bad kind of carnal taste for something like you? Do you bring forks and, and 
you know, spoons into the bedroom? Do I just eat you with the spoon? I don't know. I mean, it's no, we're not eating our sneezes through the spoon. Thank you very I mean, much. Didn't we have a whole discussion about consumption of liquids of lovers i think we did girl we never get to the to the to the utensils and i always wonder like is there play with like spoons and this is this is the cotillion part of you yes yes (laughs) i would love to bring a dinglehopper to bed (laughs) a dinglehopper let's get forked baby (laughs) you know a a spatula you know some tong (gasps) i don't know um it, it could be, you know, it could be all different. <laughs> Sorry, I'm such a troll. I just see the spatula. People are just like slapping each other's asses or like trying to like level the little de- <laughs> level the penis or like slap each other's titties. Like just see just a bunch of nonsense coming. Beyond the food, like let's get to the fun stuff with this. Like I'd love to bring a, a metal straw in the bedroom and see what happens, you know? So- I mean, what you gonna do with that? Sounding apparently. What to drink That's what you, you do with sir? Straws. Yes. Make sure you don't have roommates. Do not use their cutlery. Do not <laughs> use their kitchen items. Have your own set in your own little sex toy box, like. So exactly. What are things, um, A pizza cutter. I don't know, or Oof. you know. <laughs> Sorry, what my brain is going is like. Shout out to Mark Cooper for being a trooper, first of <laughs> yes. all. But the way that he was like, yeah, I love butter, vanilla buttercream cake. And then you're saying, well, let's bring in a pizza cutter. I'm like, we don't want to cut that cake. <laughs> let's just, let's, <laughs> let's not have an episode of Dexter, please. Uh, a whisk maybe then, or a, a thermometer or a slotted spoon. I mean, what's a ladle? Like what's, what would be appropriate for the bedroom because a little getting real gynecological at that point (laughs) like it's real like are you bringing a speculum is there an ice cream scoop like what i have have seen speculum speculum corn before um it is it is very much heavily used in a lot of um a lot of play um so it is a thing, but like a garlic crusher or salt and pepper meal, I don't know what would be the appropriate thing, but I could think of a lot of I things. Like a pepper grinder might be. Yeah. Useful. Or like a mortar and pestle. Like I'm going to actually have you for a li- I'm going to season you. I'm going to grind. <laughs> I mean, tasting your partner is a, a good way to build intimacy. Yeah. Like I might, okay. I might. I might have to do that next time. Just see what happens if I was to come in with like some tongs and like <laughs> it's silicone. <laughs> it won't hurt you. <laughs> silicone. So what's the preferred material? Silicone or um or wooden? <laughs> oh, I prefer silicone, but yeah, definitely just, silicone. It's easier yeah. for cleaning wood will be trapping yeah like a utility mixing bowl and maybe like the tongs or trivet or something like that and an oven mitt and just be like in a splatter guard or something you know you gotta like really bring like oh we need the splatter card for later <laughs> i now i now want to 
I now want to talk to Dan Slane about, you know, Uncle Crunchy again, being like, hey, hey, sis, we need to talk. Mm-hmm. I got a new, you know, let's go beyond the bathwater. Let's talk about sexy seasoning. Oh my God. We got a patent. We got it. We got a product. Sexy seasoning. Sex infused seasonings. We can um, get with Damn Celine, right? And (laughs) we can do a promo of seasonings and sauces. I feel like that's the way to go. That sounds great. I love the idea. Yeah, because, you know, fuck the oils. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck Fuck bath water. We don't need no bath bombs. Ooh, what if we do like a bone broth for the bath? No, too much, little too much. We don't want to brine our friends. I mean, think about Erica Badu and those incense. I mean, there's a, why not take it to the point where we have like, I've got my laundry balls. I like keep them all the time. Cause you know, it's like, I keep them. I just just said laundry balls. I did not know what you were reaching for. Um... (laughs) My laundry balls. You throw these in the dryer for people that, that don't use laundry balls. You throw them in the dryer. They're usually scented with your favorite, uh, whatever your favorite fragrance is. And then you like can put either your items in your pouch and you can put your laundry balls in there or you put them in the dryer and they tumble with your, your, your stuff to give a certain fragrance on it. But I'm like, oh, what about like if we started infusing like the the stuff that we are you know, consuming. I really thought you were going to be like, we need like, what is it, Benoit balls? And then oh, afterwards oh. you can make tea, just steep them, steep you your Benoit balls. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like we could take in, com- there should be somebody taking that continuity somewhere. Like how are you having bodily, you know, fluid in- induced, you know, or infused rather. For- how are you feeling about this VTV? Yeah. <laughs> the tea the lemonade like i'm having you know i'm drinking my lemonade yes or maybe a made tea i don't know how gwyneth paltrow i want to go (laughs) take me all the way um is it gwyneth or is it is it badu now because she just about is is just as as uh interested in in pursuing all different types of bodily infused things it's always badu badu she loves it. the rim shot come on yeah, i wonder if her tea is like you know got her some placenta in there from you know <laughs> so curious have I, I mean, now we're going off subject. <laughs> Are we? No, it's still. I, no, no, I think it's still fit. I've never heard of, or I have heard of placenta tea, but I've always been like, I've always been like, it, once it's a bodily waste, it's a bodily waste. So like, what's your guys' thoughts on it? I think we need to uh, look at how we define waste, right? Because placenta, while it is eliminated from the body, uh, from that very same logic, you'd be like, the child is waste. It's still connected to your baby and still nourishing <laughs> your baby. You need to redo that sentence, not the child. The it's child is waste. waste. No, so if you look at placenta, Not with this right? gravity. Yes. Um, there are many cultures that leave the placenta and leave, leave it connected to the child because like naturally it will dry off and yeah. fall off in like three to five days, right? And there are many cultures while 
they leave the placenta connected will season the placenta. They'll put salt on it. They'll put herbs on it while it's still connected to the child. It's full of nutrients. I don't think we need to consider that a waste product. No, it definitely is toxins. It's not something that your body was like, oh, we have to eliminate it because it's no longer nutritionally value valued to us. I'm like, "Mm." So I wouldn't consider it waste. I Is this going in the same area where like menstrual blood can be used as plant fertilizer? Yes, but also mm-hmm. you should drink your menstrual blood. It's great. Just do it. Put it on your face. You are of that party. I Holy am of shit. that party. I am extra about it. Are placentas I'm... high in protein and fiber? Yes, they're all yeah. so salty and delicious. And antioxidants, all the, all the, yeah, it's like, it is technically people that do, I, I did not um, ingest my placenta, but my, uh, <laughs> I could have, I could have capsulated it. I just chose not to um, just really honestly, because it was an extra price. Um, <laughs> Frank and for you know black women in this country maternal care is super expensive even when you have the best of insurance which I had at the time um, and like it, I spent like $500 for a Tylenol so to uh, capsulize, capsulize my placenta would have been like $1,500 extra and I just like I didn't so which also indicates like eating um, you know eat, being able to ingest some of these things isn't like a thing for the rich is it a thing for you know people who can afford it because it's like yeah if you want to have a bodily fluid infused beverage how much does it also cost to do that safely obviously there's enzymes and hormones and things and in uh, all of these uh and and bodily uh excretions and so you know there is a safety measure that that comes into this i think as you're as you're ingesting things that it's like you can freeze dry semen um and have it for later <laughs> wait i just, I just thought, thought of I like a terrible image of like space ice cream but like space <laughs> semen like <laughs> is this semen from space it's freeze dried does there need to be a line drawn? Do I need do I need to draw some lines here? I <laughs> feel like we went lines. to placenta and that, and now we're just going we're to, to freeze dried semen. semen. I would like to see semen as like you know the fruit jerky. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to see it transformed into that. I think I need fruit by the flip. It's, it got proteins. There's some sodium in it. Um, very little sodium, but there is sodium in it. And, and then maybe like truffleize it. Like, can you imagine like your, uh, you know, semen and semen truffle? Um, that would be pretty. Truffle flavored semen jerky. I love that. Like very bougie. Put it on my popcorn. I just like, you know, grind up a little. It's, um, you know, I think that that could be pretty exciting. And I'm putting, I'm putting, we're putting truck, like I eat truffle popcorn all the time. I also eat uh, a lot of truffle on like my, when I have go to a a steakhouse and I really don't eat a lot of red meat, but when I do, I want truffle, black truffle. And I'm like, I mean, folks look up what a black truffle is. It's like, um, it's better, (laughs) you know, um, (laughs) While we're at it, let's infuse it um, with some cannabis. 
get some THC in there, some CBD. <laughs> My sign was supposed to say Jesus ain't here. Jesus, that's Jesus, erotic to me. That's that's that could be. Black Jesus is definitely here. What are you talking about? This whole conversation has been. Oh, oh, someone in the chat. So big Papa, big Papa Chunk said, "What is the wine pairing for semen truffles?" Oh, I would have to go with a dessert wine. Um, I think that, yes, <laughs> like a frambouille. <laughs> oh, have you have um have you have you guys ever? I don't know if there's a restaurant equivalent in California, but there's Better Than Sex that has like uh, intimate uh, desserts and. Um, and and drinks that are like they're um, all intimate uh, named and um, the kink name. So it's it's a, like it's an experience. You go you you have the option of doing like the dining um, blindfold thing. You can also it's like I know it's one in Orlando and um, there's one in Georgia. There's Kylie. Sunday. <laughs> but that could be a good place to like think about like yeah getting um cocktails and drinks that are are paired I, I love that idea yes I love that idea too okay so we have we have our patreon no, I'm just joking. <laughs> I mean that's part of the strategic plan right to get a patreon going <laughs> but that is part of the plan and I um wait before we, yeah, bless our producer, bless him. Bless Devane. Y'all don't Devane. get to see all of Devane's like magical faces in this moment of time. Um, we do, so bless him for putting up with our shenanigans. Yes. <laughs> all right, so moving along. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Dirty and Dirty. Let me know what your wine pairings are for semen jerky. Leave it in the chat. We love y'all. Thank you, Big Papa Chunk for joining in on the fun. Uh, I feel that people are too stunned to react. <laughs> All right, but let's go I ahead. And this was a nice podcast about nerdy things. You dirty, I thought, dirty gals. I thought that these was black the women... first mistake ever <laughs> thinking these... that. I thought these black women were going to be rated G, maybe a little PG, but I'm no, just, we just, we surpassed the R. What's the one that's like? NC, no, no. NC action. 17. Y'all rated G for NC godless. 17. That's what y'all like got. Rated G for just absolute G godless, godless. absences. I revel in my heathen status. Thank you. All right. Just nerdy. Just nerdy. Uh, just nerdy. All right. So a couple of things about just nerdy. We are some hip hop heads here in the, in the group. Uh, so we wanted to dive in a little bit about Kendrick Lamar's new album that he released in the last couple of days. First of all, I want to thank the hip hop community on Twitter for being so mindful about not sharing spoilers about the songs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, secondly, I really love, well, it was on my side of my timeline. I really love the fact that I mentioned it earlier in the podcast, but how collectively everyone said oh if you all if we all got projects this weekend just keep them on hold we're all gonna listen to kendrick's album we're not gonna release any of our stiff stuff we know it's gonna get drowned out by by kung fu kenny let's go so <laughs> so it's just some like you know always lacing things with humor about it but it was very deep i didn't finish the whole album so i won't be the one to really lead this conversation but so far i got some tears going um Prius, what are your thoughts 
Yeah, I, I'm I'm still in session with this album. It's one of those ones I think it's going to take me a long time to to um, listen to and unpack. And um, a lot of this being like the fifth release, I feel like there is a, a much of Kendrick's albums have unfolded to me and been an unveiling. And over the last five years, I'm still listening to Damn, which was... Uh, um, still unfolding so many different things. There's so many layers to his writing, and um, and even to the to the musical selections. It's the uh, there is such a range of production on here from like Alchemist and Pharrell, and um, there's a lot of like uh, I don't know multidisciplinary things happening all at once that really take unpacking. I definitely cried a lot on the album and. Um, there's so much of a, I feel like we've, we, we really dive deep into the show one, which is like trauma and um, unpacking trauma takes a very long time to go through. And he unpacks also like a wide scope of things from fatherhood to, you know, materialism, to blackness, to religion, to infidelity, there's addiction, there's queerness, there's sexual assault, there's cancel culture, which we just kind of talked about in, in here. Um, it's a uh, it's a lot of that uh, to uh, um, obsession with white women, uh, daddy issues. There's there's something for everyone on, on this album. So the where those themes get told right where I feel like people told me that those themes or we knew that that's what the album was focused on. I think the way that his approach to it is really uh, interesting and, and very cathartic to see or hear him go through that um, healing and, you know, being able to off this is an offering of healing for, for all of us to have like an emotional checkpoint. But I do say listening to the album, if there's any more so caution that I can take is that trauma, um, especially black trauma is very mournful and can be very uh, emotionally, uh, prevalent and so being able to really maybe strategically place some emotional checkpoints for yourself as you're listening to this album if you fall into uh if you are of of african descent a part of the african diaspora in any way that these are themes that are very often um kind of per pervading in our community so i think just being able to take give some some time as you're listening to it and having a having someone to even be able to like help shoulder that conversation i like realized i needed to get online and then kind of say i'd like to discuss this with people because i don't i have a a podcast that I do that specifically on album reviews, but we don't really talk about the emotional connection to the album. We more talk about like, you know, explore the the beats and explore the musicality and the lyricism and and that kind of thing. And this is this is not just that. You really do have to listen to it with and then process it. Um, yes. And so, yeah, if there's a, a takeaway that having someone uh, at least that you can, you know, be in a safe space and vulnerable with to sort of how are you feeling about it as you're listening to it? Um, I think music has this way of like reaching in and making you um, like deep dive into your personal experiences, right? And just depending on who the artist is um, and like their musicality and, and what your own personal framework is will like determine how deeply something touches you um this album i swear reached into my soul <laughs> and mm -hmm. like it was 
it wasn't like you said it was trauma it wasn't always a um pleasant experience but we had talked about not being silent earlier right and it's like if you don't express these things these issues you can't talk about it um i think what we cried together yes yes um was like maybe one of the most difficult things for me to listen to growing up um in domestically violent situations growing up and like literally hearing these conversations I was like were you you just like taking snippets of like my childhood and like put them together mm-hmm. um and then and it's sad because but also it's just like this is a conversation that needs to happen anyway um but it's it's sad because I realized that that experience is not one that is just mine you know it's I won't say it's universal um but it's definitely something that is prevalent um in our black community and especially now hearing that there's that people really feel like there is a uh war between the genders right Um, and that's a discussion that I've been hearing my whole life um that black men don't like black women or that black women don't value and support black men and I'm just like I don't see these in my personal relationships playing out necessarily um and then there's the other flip side where it's like okay I do and so it's very um I don't know it's like touching and and heart-wrenching for this album to come out and it it does feel like it's like oh you put my private life on (laughs) on display for everyone to comment on so mc brooks put up a really good point in the chat um in thinking about this album and 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 listening to this album i they mentioned black men needing to have these conversations amongst each other about trauma and the way we were raised and how patriarchy shapes us from childhood and this is women have been, and I'm speaking from a women's side of it, right? So I'm not saying like men versus women, but what I am saying is that women for years have been asking men to check their men. And it's hard because of, you know, in in the song, We Cry Together, there was a mention of R. Kelly and his abuse to all the women who have, you know, basically became victim of, of his sexual abuse. And so um, how long did it take for people to start telling R. Kelly to stop? And it's like, how much of that is like supported? And so like, I feel like this album as a whole is just, this is how I took it. And this is my takeaway is like, this is a Kendrick being like, men, check your men. Um, check the, check the, the cycle that you're stuck in. Check the cycle that you, you are systematic, systematically a part of. And luckily um with bringing up all these different aspects of trauma like i'm glad that there's conversations happening i'm glad that men are actually talking about the vulnerability the the this the generalization generalized generalizing of issues the baby mama isms like it's all of that and so i'm glad that cultural stockholm syndrome exactly and so i'm glad that this came came to be um i definitely i wish that you know in a world that when women express the issues that are going on that are not benefiting them or and mostly and mostly harming them that people would listen but sometimes that that's not enough of a voice and so I'm glad that Kendrick brought attention to it in his way 
Um, but also bringing the other side, Kylie, like you mentioned, that women can also be toxic. So I, I, mean, I think it was the line that was like, especially since we're talking about R. Kelly, where he's just like, and you still listen to his music. And there are so many women out there who still listen to his music. Yeah, they're still listening to him, like enabling this behavior. Like it's, it's at the end of the day that that's what I think that gets exposed. That is so true that the there is a lot of shifting blame you know, and, and between from men to women. And a lot of the times I think while uh, men were not processing their sort of responsibility and something like that happening, women also need to process their culpability too, because it was a lot of like, uh, they were facilitating uh, R. Kelly and then also victim blaming and shaming. There was mm-hmm. a lot more women sort of, a lot of the, the victims that came out were, um, placing blame on their parents and the the girls that were um, victimized. And it's sort of like, there's a lopsided thing there. Women were doing that. Um, so yeah, that there's a lot of, a lot of this shifting blame that I think it just becomes a thing of like, which I liked that Kendrick mm-hmm. was like, as a black man, I'm, we have to pick up this accountability to stop shifting blame from one to the next and just be able to say we are owning this we are going to we have to start owning fixing our 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 collective trauma and 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 breaking the cycle to build yeah it's a lot of breaking the cycle to build the other thing i also want to call attention to and i think this is also very strong thing to be acknowledged is that kendrick showed solidarity to the trans community Mm-hmm. which is something that I felt in my experience with all the older Black men in my, like whether if it was my family or my community, that they would never accept, you know, the identity of those who want to be beyond their binary. And, and it's disheartening because it keeps people locked up and, and keeps people in fear of like being express or being able to authentically show up as themselves. And so um, I'm glad that Kendrick said, showed some solidarity to that because then like it really helps bring the conversations back up again of being like, why are we treating trans people the way that they're being treated? Why do we show sexual abuse, physical abuse to trans people, especially in our black community when they are not fitting the narrative of the binary and so and i'm talking about like black men like ridiculing them who are cis black men who are cis like ridiculing those who are trans and or even like even if they don't want to go through the full surgery or whatever just having like a different gender identity is like a big thing and so um like i remember when we were kids and like there was this little boy who loved playing with barbies and the black boys who were being hyper masked wanted to beat this kid up because he wanted to play with Barbies. And so that's, that's an internalized behavior that's been conditioned and saying that you're not allowed to express beyond that. And so I just, I'm glad that Kendrick brought that up and him being such a heavyweight in the hip hop community really speaks levels. Cause I remember how, I mean, Lil Nas isn't trans, but I remember how like his femininity became a threat and like different old heads were just being like, why you gotta act like that? Why you gotta be like that? And Lil Nas is like, I'm just gonna be the way that I wanna be like 
you know, fuck your opinion, but imagine the amount of threats that he probably received on a daily basis because he just wanted to wear heels or wanted to show like just, you know, like just pinks and lavenders or whatever, like, you know, just being, just being unapologetically gay. Like, so I, I'm just really happy that, or I'm not happy or how to shine up at this. I appreciate that Kendrick has brought attention to this as well. Yeah. Absolutely. And exposed, I think, which a lot of people, I think gets swept under the carpet in the community a lot of the times that oftentimes, right, there is so much of our family, like you look at life, there's alternative lifestyles in a lot of our families. Um, because there are so many uh, sweeping under the carpet, sometimes those stories don't get amplified, but there is a lot of alternative lifestyles who just cho- chose not to sort of spotlight them or they become sort of the, the, the thing that you hide in the closet, you know, the bones that no one wants that you bury in the backyard of like, well, not in my family, you know, there's a, a level of PR that comes out, but it's like, you know, that oftentimes is the first exposure that you might have to someone who's who is, um, who was differently abled, differently, you know, sort of chooses anything different. And regardless of orientation, just anything differently, you choose to dress differently or, you know, those, whatever those sort of factors of queerness and, and individual sort of beliefs are in the community that are, uh, uh, I'll say not widely accepted in the community. You just kind of like, but those are things that we all see in our families. And it's like, oh, that's the first time I saw an expression of this. And I like that he kind of journalizes that too to, to show that. So yeah, I, I loved it. Yeah. Um, as much as we want to hit on any other topics today, uh, if anybody has any additional thoughts about the album, please throw them in the chat. We'd love to hear it. Um, maybe... I do see our producer nudging us about the time. And so, um, <laughs> so we got to move on. So uh, Nerdy Things, re- another Resident Evil uh, song or song, song. There's always a cypher coming. It's there's a- always a cypher. This is true. <laughs> Whenever there's a new nerdy thing that comes out, someone is brewing a beat to a cypher. Let's yeah. go. Um, <laughs> um, so a new Resident Evil series is coming out on Netflix. I'm excited. I'm actually really, like, I'm not obsessed, but I am into the Resident Evil video game series. Um, and I did, upon, I mean, aside from some popular opinions out there, I also did really love uh, the the Resident Evil movies that came out with Mila Jokovic. Yep. Is that how, how you pronounce it? So, Jokovic, yeah. Uh, yes. So it's coming out on July 14th. I'm excited. I read a little bit of the bio and whenever I see a new show that comes out, I try not to read too much of the cliff notes. So that way I stay a little bit more surprised and I'm kind of savoring the suspense or the savoring the the surprises. But what I did notice is that the two leading characters have the last name of Wesker, which if anybody knows the series, uh, Albert Wesker is the head honcho who usually fucks things up and he just makes it absolutely terrible for everybody because of the T-virus. So (laughs) it's interesting to see the two lead characters, um, see the two lead characters uh, with the last name. So I'm like, hmm, a plot twist. And they are POC where Albert Wesker is a white man. So I'm really, really interested to see what what the becomings of are this. so yeah, I'm excited. I don't know how you guys feel about zombie flicks, but what are your guys' thoughts on it? 
I mean, I'm a fan of survival horror video games and and I feel like we we I I think we deserve to have Netflix do this right, but I do worry a little bit of like just live action series overall have not been it's been hit or miss. It's either really, really great or it's really, really bad. So um, I'm just avoiding thinking about it until July <laughs> because Netflix is, uh, they are in a really desperate position right now where they really need this to be a success. And and to be honest, Capcom doesn't, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, I think everybody needs it to be a success. I'm not just going to say Netflix and Capcom. I just don't want... Netflix to do the thing where they're like, oh, here's a good show. And then not even two seasons in, they're like, and it's gone. Yep. And like, but where is it? It's gone. Yeah. It's gone. And it's gone. Like, <laughs> and hopefully that we can get, I mean, apparently there's some really good writers because there's like uh, the writers from Supernatural and, um, and uh, some other uh, really good series that have long, um, I guess have long-standing writers and producers and stuff, and so I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing this done right. I'm like, that's a good start when you have good writers. Um, but adaptions, adaptations, rather, rather, it's just so hard sometimes. Where you're like, yeah, I think we we watched the descent of even the uh, Mila Jovovich uh, character as Alice. I mean, it's sort of like it got tainted at some point there's an, the writing and the in the there were know. some yeah there were some inconsistencies with even like the film composition yes. of it like I I think it was the last movie I think it had Ali Larder in it I can't remember but basically like the the screenplay was like here's a certain mood tone and then in the middle of the movie it shifted to a completely different new tone yeah. and I'm like why did it change so dramatically like yeah. I know they went from desert to to inside the facility, but it was too obvious of a change. So I feel like there was like a rush order with it. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. It's it was yeah. I, so just misalignment all together and bad, bad, bad writing. It's over stylizing. But let's hope Netflix owes us. I think as not uh, specifically as Lady Blards, but owes you know the viewing audience um, some they owe us something. Uh, we've all been challenged with, uh, I canceled my Netflix subscription and I've been like a member for like 12, well, it's for the, for a long time. I looked at the other day, I was like, oh my gosh, like been a 12 year subscription or something. I'm, uh, and not that they care for my one little dollar, uh, my 15 bucks, 16 bucks doesn't mean anything, but it's just like, yeah, you got some making up to do, please be responsible with these, uh, Shows, like you said, V, don't run it for a year and then be like, well, that was it. You got one series, one, a series, and then it's a one year series and done. Yeah. Mark Marin deserved better with Glow. Glow needs to come back. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so, I would, I, there's like, even Raising Dion, they canceled Raising Dion. And I'm like, ah, no, I was just watching that show. The first season, he was such a little shit and he's just getting better. Right? Uh, I was so mad at that, especially because yeah. the concept was just like, we really hadn't seen something like that original on Netflix in a long time. Gotta give it a chance to grow, like, yeah. Yes, absolutely. But we're, we're excited about Resident Evil. I'm excited yes. about Resident Evil. Right. Hopefully, they, hopefully, obviously, like, the little, like, the Redfields might get, like, you know, pinged in there. Maybe an Aiden Wong might happen in there. Be kind of cool to see Leon. I swear, if I see that president's daughter, I might have some words. 
But anywho. <laughs> if Chris doesn't punch a boulder, I'm going to be mad. <laughs> so moving along. Um, let's, um, let's talk about maybe Spider-Man. Do you guys want to talk about Spider-Man? Is even worth it? I'm just just acknowledging that I think it was the it's the 60th anniversary uh was Spider-Man's still going strong y'all yeah it's just the fact that like again giving things an opportunity to exist in in 60 years is a major milestone for Marvel um the idea that right like something exists for 60 years spider of Spider-Man celebrating this milestone is a major one I think for all of us for stories that have been able to been you know kind of been told and have a profound impact from 60 years ago that can be applied and updated and still nonetheless just as impactful in 2022 and beyond there's still so much opportunity for like the one of the most beloved heroes in history still can can the next 60 years there's still opportunity there that our grandkids will will still have this iconic hero so i feel like there's a level of like yeah when, when folks give things a chance to grow and you know that doesn't always mean that it, every Every single adaptation, every single story, every single issue is going to be one that you love and is going to focus in the way that you needed to focus. You know, you get a chance to see Spider-Man villain. You get a chance to see superstar Spider-Man. You get a chance to see, you know, a horror-fueled Spidey adventures. You get to see everything across the 60 years and, like, give opportunity for those stories to continue. Yes, yes. And I, I loved the multiverse spider-mans like yeah. anytime you get multiverse i'm just like ah yes thank you mm-hmm. all the storytelling yes yeah. also with the addition with having miles morales in there lady yes. doc ock mm-hmm. 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 lady doc ock was i i got i got a little hot and heavy over that i was like excuse me excuse yep. me Alfred Molina, do you have a sister? Different episode. The way that she was revealed in the movie, I I was like, oh my God, that makes sense. Look at her glasses. She is a scientist. She is definitely Washu from Tenchi Muyo. I love it. Like, yes. (laughs) Um, No, I absolutely love that. And the video games are great. Like have been, I feel like the video games have always been good, but they just keep getting better. They keep getting better, which is like, that's the thing. It's like given an opportunity to grow, like evolve evolution of thing of a property is so important. Yes, yes. Fun so fact, I can't wait. Did you know that the actor who plays Agatha in WandaVision is the same person who voices Doc Ock in Spider-Verse? Oh, we got word from God. Um, <laughs> Agatha, Agatha Harkness is the same woman who did Doc Ock, the femme Doc Ock. That is wild. I'm glad that they, re- re- they gra- I'm glad they repurposed her. She yeah. is such a good actress too, but I mean, just yeah. so many things. So funny, Catherine Hahn. I just love her, but yeah. Yeah. I still, I, I, I have to bring in Damseline. I feel like we really name dropped Damseline today and we, we have did. to let them know. We, <laughs> we got, we got to let them know. <laughs> Damseline is a nerdcore artist, by the way, folks, go follow them. They got wonderful things and also they will fuck your dad. Um, anywho, absolutely. <laughs> speaking of which, <laughs> uh, 
Damseline did a parody Photoshop of like, and this is where I first discovered Damseline, where like their their face was replaced with Agatha Harkness's face with like the winky, or I think it was the no, it was the end of that song that Agatha did, and um, it it was her face, and it's like, and yeah, I fucked your dad, and I fucking lost it. It's like my favorite thing. I want it in a museum of nerdcore. Like if nerdcore were to have a museum, that would be one of the pictures. Yes. All right, uh, <laughs> Spider-Man 60th anniversary, congratulations, Spidey. Um, so let's go ahead and move along to uh, Call to Action, Roe versus Wade. You know what it is. Um, bans off our bodies. That is a rally, or that is a um, site where you can search for a rally near you. Uh, Priors, do you wanna kind of talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so the um, we wanted to sort of offer an opportunity for people to figure out ways to get involved, to continue to support um, our country is facing an abortion access crisis, but also the Supreme Court preparing to what it looks like end this landmark legislation, which provides this constitutional right to abortion. Um, and that abortion is still legal right now. Um, and the ability to sort of, whether you're signing a petition, you can attend a rally. If you have the opportunity to look at events, you can, uh, search that website that will post there for, um, any particular rallies that are near you or events are near you, but we recognize, right, that you don't have to always be physical um, in person to do these things that you can also get involved in a number of ways. And so this bands off our bodies uh, kind of has toolkits that you can go, whether it's social media toolkits of language and hashtags and that kind of thing to connect to the movement. Um, or other opportunities. And, and like I said, just not just signing a petition, but artwork, all different types of things that you can post and do from home, how you can be engaged in um, not, you know, don't ban equality um, and how we can position that, use ourselves and our voices and our platforms to, to be an advocate um, for sexual and reproductive health and rights. Yes, absolutely. Kylie, did you wanna add in there at all? You look like you're eating brekkie. Sorry. It just, no, um, it just, it, it like, it infuriates me um, that this is even a conversation that we really have to have um, in this grown age of 2022. Um, the grand year of 2022. The grand year of 2022, you know what I mean? Because I, I remember growing up and hearing my grandma talk about going to rallies. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, hear her talking about how she took my aunts and my mom and then hearing my mom talk about the rallies that she went to. And um, now here we are talking about the rallies that we're going to go to. Um, and it's just like, it's, it's just, it's wild that we do so much um, collectively to like distinguish ourselves like from animals. And part of how we do that is like, we have this, cognitive um, greatness, right? This conscientiousness, um, but we still enact laws like this. Um, yes. That treat women as if they are on a species almost. Like, property, <laughs> it's property. It is, it is very much um, chattel language. Um, and, um, the simplest questions that are posed in these spaces, like, are there any um, legislation that dictates what 
the government can do about man's bodies and the fact that people are just like, I don't understand the question. You're like, what? You don't understand? It's a very straightforward question. There's no laws that dictates what a man can and can't do with his reproductive organs. Um, mm-hmm. and there shouldn't be any laws that dictate to women what they can and can't do with their reproductive organs, mm-hmm. um, especially since abortion is healthcare. And the choice is personal. The situational awareness is personal. You don't know and you can't dictate and that's not your right. Mm-hmm. Pregnancy starts with a penis, y'all. Right? It really when, does. When we start making these vasectomies these, uh, mandatory, they're reversible. When we start pushing the male birth control, um, then you can possibly speak to me. And not to mention, can we also just say in juxtaposition, we are in the middle of a national baby formula shortage. Yes. Uh, which I think really does prove the case of the fact that we care about an embryo um, and we care about uh, procreation of life, but not the, there's no societal emphasis on the care of the whole um, child and, and human being. Um, that while we are having a fight to, uh, to demand that, that we continue the supply of human beings, that we are not continuing the same fight to create a demand for the supply of the food that sustains them and to assume all women um, are able to breastfeed, whether they have latching issues or clogged ducts, or if there's some genetic uh, predisposition that they can't. Um, it's really weird and kind of ironic, I guess, that that is happening at the same time. I mean, on top of that, um, you know, I've, I've been doing research and reading articles about um, what it's like um, for children who go into like the welfare system and are adopted and um, just seeing how in some states that literally when you adopt a child you can you can sell them to the next person and it's like we literally have child markets here in the united states it's not um, some far-fetched reality that we place on third world countries like no it's happening here Yep. In the States. Yep. Slavery still exists um, and it's ugly and you can't turn a blind eye from it. Um, yeah. Drop that in the chat. Planned Parenthoods are vital um, to our communal health. And I think once we actually start caring um, about the next generation and fostering a uh, a focus on life, on actual life, what it takes to actually live, what you actually need, not just your wants, not just comforts, but like what you actually need to survive as the human being on this earth and um, caring for the lives of those that come after us. We Mm -hmm. actually start listening to scientists and women. Listen to women. Listen Listen to women women. scientists. Yeah. Yes. Get, get more women scientists. Um, I'm on yeah. a quest. <laughs> yeah, echo everything that is going on here. Thanks, Kylie, for weighing in on that and bringing up the shortages of baby formula. If we can, if we don't even have the proper resources for to produce children in the society, why would we want to produce children 
and an unfortunate situation. That's that's just like how I kind of take it as that. Cause it's like, if the systems are not systeming to be supportive, then why would we bother? Mm-hmm. Anywho. All right. Big move Monday. Some things I want to bring up. I want to kind of outline the courage of a specific trombone player who is a heavyweight in the New York scene. Um, their name is Sasha Romero. Uh, they are the principal trombone player. And when I say principal, principal trombone player is that they're playing all the solos. They're the first trombone. They're the one that are the most heard. They are the badass trombone player of the group. Okay, I'll stop. Actually, the bass trombone is the best trombone. Let's just, let's just make it straight there. That's not biased Anywho. at all. That is an unbiased opinion from sometimes V. Bass trombone is extraordinary. But Sasha Romero is the principal trombone player of the Metropolitan Opera Orchestra at the Lincoln uh, Orchestra Center in New York. Uh, prior to that, they were principal for Fort Worth Symphony Orchestra from 2016 to 2018. They came from Texas. Uh, they um, were acclaimed and robust in the Texas band system and achieved great musical success at a young age. She went to earn her bachelor's in music degree at Baylor University, where she started with Brent Williams and her master's of music degree at Rice University, studying with Alan Barnhill. Um, and in addition to this lengthy list of national and international solo and chamber music competition wins to her name, Sasha is honored to have been a semi-finalist in the first brass division of the 2019, I don't know how to read Roman numerals right now, but international Tchaikovsky competition of the St. Petersburg in Russia. So very well-established trombone player and also just killing the game. Um, they're also a teacher. Uh, they do work um, as a professor in New York. And they've also been um, on a couple of, uh, you know, music albums such as Weezer's OK Human and film soundtrack soundtracks from The Good Liar in 2018 and Joker in 2019. So the reason why I'm bringing Sasha to the threshold here is that something that's very uncommon in the trombone world is that there's not a lot of women of color who can achieve high standards like this. That's the first thing that I'm gonna outline. Trombone, the trombone brass world is just, if Big, pa if Big Papa Chuck was still in the chat, he knows this, but it's overtaken by white men and their, and their mansplaining nonsense. They don't believe in uplifting women and they only want their beer and to bump fists with other guys and just be this, and just, overtake it all. And if a woman comes in the scene, they there's always like the stereotypical generalization comment that they don't want to be supportive. They're just like, oh, she's here because she's a woman or, oh, she's just here to get attention and all this like stupid BS that comes with the trombone world. I've been part of it. I was in a studio with all that bullshit. I'm glad that I'm not in it anymore. Don't get me wrong. Everyone was usually supportive of each other, but when it came down to the wire, me as a woman of color in the studio had to work extra hard to be recognized as somebody who was actually a pretty good player. So I just align with Sasha's challenges on that. But also Sasha just recently came out as a transgender woman, which is very, very rare in the trombone world. Right. And I knew Sasha. Yeah. Sasha did a, something that was very brave. So when we talk about the fragility of masculine men, masculine cis men, there was a little bit of people hating on her with this. And I just want to say whatever she wants to do is her business. It's none of their business. And she can play the damn horn. 
she can play it. Um, and so with that, folks usually get threatened by that and they'll, they're will they just throwing left and right things like, why would she do that? You know, a man is a man, not a woman. And so there's a lot of old head mentality in the trombone world, let's just say that. So anywho, I just wanna applaud Sasha for doing something that was really hard and something that is already something that's already dangerous for women who are transgender in a hyper-masculine field. And so I'm really glad, or I'm really, um, I keep saying I'm really glad, I'm really happy, which is not the words I wanna use. I just want to say that I'm in support of her. I support what she's doing and moving forward. I'm lucky to know that she's within the network of somebody that I can trust and talk to. So like, it's just really, it's just really cool to see that. And also transforming the narrative of brass music is something that I am also um, really happy to see in this lifetime. So yeah, kudos to you, Sasha. You're doing the damn thing. Um, if you guys are happen to be in New York and you want to see some opera music, go to the Met, support your girl. Um, moving along, I guess, I guess we're, oh, things to look out for. Paris, tell us what, what you're going to do. Oh, shucks. Yes, um, things to look out for. I'm going on tour with Grime Proof, uh, which is the Grime Proof tour is Noir Grime, a.k.a. Shubzilla and Bill Beats, and uh, Fireproof, myself and Mark Cooper, are going on tour this summer. So uh, we have an Indiegogo campaign that we are trying to uh, raise funds to make sure that we have... Uh, uh, access to fuel and be able to afford our lodging and our, and support travel. Um, but also we have some really cool perks that we've spent time working on, like a really cool um, EP that you get and a t-shirt and some other mystery items that like really get fun uh, that might even contain like handwritten lyrics and all kinds of stuff that people have put into this pot. So, um, and, and secret songs that uh, Bill Beats has committed us to that I don't even know what those are yet. So there's all kinds of fun things um, related to that, but definitely support. Um, and we hope to see you in a city near you, uh, whether you're, um, you know, at home, but meet you where you are at home. So, Absolutely. I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited as someone who supports this group. Yes. Like very regularly. I, I'm super duper excited to see like just basically a powerhouse of nerdcore musicians just go and traveling the world together. So like Mark Cooper, Mark Cooper's in the chat. Shout out to Mark Cooper. Um, and we got Bill Beats, the president and Shubs, who has just always been doing the damn thing. Like I'm, I'm just so excited. So nerd sister basically. So yeah. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. So I'm really happy, or I, I'm actually, actually really happy. I keep saying, I'm really happy. Actually. I'm really happy. Happy. Actually happy. <laughs> actually happy. Yes, it's going to be, it's going to be a really killer tour. Um, all right. So I think we're at the end of our episode. Did we have anything else, ladies, before we wrap up? Nope. We love you all. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to Lady Blair Sings the Blues. Uh, you can find us here on recorded on Twitch. This recording will stay here for, I believe, like a couple of weeks and then it's just gonna disappear forever. Disappear forever. The audio version of this will be released on Monday. Um, as for YouTube, we haven't figured out what we're gonna do with the YouTube yet, but I have some ideas. So stay tuned. I know, I do miss our YouTube faces, but I got some ideas. So anywho, um, we do have a YouTube channel if you guys wanna see the old catalog of stuff. 
same thing with um with the podcast um with it going on the rss feed there's a whole catalog so if you want to catch up about the things that we've been talking to be in on the inside jokes please go ahead and take a listen we do have big move monday which is also released on mondays if you know a friend who wants to be part of the big move monday series let us know Send us an Instagram, send us an email at don'tcastanddrive at gmail.com. Send us what, or even a carrier pigeon. I'll take a carrier pigeon, make my day more interesting. But if you want to shout out a homie who's been doing some work, let us know and we'll shout them out and we'll let them know that you submit, submitted that uh, submission to show extra appreciation, cross appreciation. But other than that, thank you so much for your time and we'll see you guys next time.